Hey everyone, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield. I'm a cookbook author, recipe developer who is really, really obsessed with making food just taste really darn good. I'm a mama of two, I'm a wife, and you pretty much already know all this if we are friends over on Instagram. In each podcast episode, we catch up with friends, bring on some new amazing humans to share their stories with you, and you guys get to be a fly on the wall in each of these conversations. We get juicy, we chat, we laugh, we get awkward at times, but there's nothing I love more than getting to share these conversations with you guys each and every week. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode, rate, review, and share the podcast when you listen. Listen back to ones you may have missed. The Just the Good Stuff crew is so special to me, and I know you guys will love something from each and every episode. So now let's dive into today's episode. No intro needed because that's how we do it over here. I'm happy that you were like, we can't do small talk because we'll have small talk for four hours, which is so true when I bring on guests that are especially friends because like, I can't. Like I have to immediately start because otherwise we like miss a lot of the good, the good stuff, you know? I agree. Cause then it's like, if we talk about it and then I have to say it all over again, it's like less authentic when I'm repeating a story. I'd rather just give you the real stuff. Exactly. And especially now that I'm like, I think I told you this last time I spoke, but I'm like re-changing, like I'm just rejiggering the podcast in general to make it more like conversational and less interview based and just like, Love that. um, so it's like fun to kind of hop, hop on in, but I mean, I haven't seen your face. I feel like in so long besides, I know I actually just thought that, but I was like, I guess I feel like I see you because obviously social media, but now it's like, Oh, hi, we're actually communicating. We should do, we should do FaceTimes. I mean, Ezra lives for a FaceTime session. So you I live for Ezra. So that's, that's the feelings mutual there. <laughs> Coming though to New York soon, right? Yeah, well, supposedly. So I'm coming in um, June and it's so interesting now that like travel is back, quote. Um, I have like a work trip that's going to take me to Missouri. But it's also so interesting too, because obviously we'll talk more about it, but like work trips when we first started what we're doing in like 2015 versus like what a work trip looks like now has just evolved so much. And I think people are also still like, Oh my gosh, are we able to do this? Um, there's more, you know, requirements and stuff now, you know, test like for this trip in particular, it's like I have to go get tested and then tested on site. It's just, it's interesting to see what work trips are going to look like going forward. It's going to be weird just to see what like in-person anything is going to look like moving forward. Like, yeah, work anything. Wait, what? You're going to Missouri? Missouri, St. Louis. So, and we'll, I mean, we'll talk more about it, but I got involved with this company and they're based there. Like their recipe development center is based there. So, you know, it's funny because in 2015, Nicole work trip was like Cabo on a boat you know, taking content. And now it's like, okay, so where's your manufacturing plan? 2015 or like 2019? 2016 (laughs) to 20. I had a good run. (laughs) I had a really good run. Yeah. Yeah. This is (laughs) very recent. Um, Um, I guess let's backtrack a little bit. Um, I haven't had you on the podcast before to like share your full story. So we're going to have to like coordinate that unless it like really trickles in throughout the conversation. But 
I always like to kind of start with like how I either met the person or know them. And you're how you and I met is hysterical because like you, like I was going to work for you. Do you remember this? What? Yes. And I'm going to bring up the emails. Like I I thought you were going to say that the way we met was that you gave me my first brand deal. That too. But I'm going to look, I'm going to look at my email right now. So apologies. People hear the keyboard. Cause I remember we went to La Pond and kind of, Oh my God. This is, all ringing a bell. This that has to be 2014 or 2013. It's well, it was Wednesday, January 14th, 2015. No way. What is it? I'm dying. We met for coffee. And who emailed who? I emailed you because we knew each other from when I worked at by. Okay, so I was gonna say, so then this was after no, so you had already given me my first brand deal at this point, and then you contact me because you were starting your Instagram, which was like, you were the queen of oatmeal. No, Nick, like this is so old. This is before that. Like I was asking if I can contribute to No Bread NYC. Like I'm going to forward this whole email chain to you. I'm dying. wild. Yeah. I mean, we go, we go so far. You're my OG. You and Jordan Younger are my like OG people. Same. I remember we went to LPQ in Flatiron. And it's all familiar. Mm-hmm. But we did, yes, we met at I when I and I gave you your first sponsor. I feel like I remember you posted the blueberry. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking that we met through Jordan Younger. No, I moved to LA and you're like, you have to meet my friend Jordan. I introduced you guys. Yes. Wow. You're my number one OG. Gosh, <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like I feel like we're those people that we like want to hate where we're like, oh, so long ago. We were so young, like our parents, when we're like, let me think back and to that. And it's like Wow, it's just so much life has happened since then. I know. I because I was telling my parents today that I was recording a podcast episode with you this morning. And my dad was like, Oh, how did you know her? I was like, Well, technically, I met her from by, and then I asked her if I could come work and do free, like contribute to her website. My mom's like, She started because she was posting all the gluten free food throughout New York City. Oh my gosh. Wait, but like, what did I say? Did I like say, Yes, you could contribute, or no, you can't? So we, you like sent me a spreadsheet. Um, oh my yeah. God. You know what? I think I was like, yeah, here's like some restaurants if you want to review, but then you were doing your own shtick and it picked up. This is perfect. Like literally this email, you emailed me February. Okay. Everyone's just literally getting all of our old. I'm anxious. <laughs> you wrote to me February 10th, 2015 at 5 51 PM. Randomly, I had an idea and you were the first person to come to mind for it. I'm looking to taking on a sales of business consultant. <sighs> Essentially, what I'm looking for is business, building the Instagram and start building brand relationships. The, you, ha- you spelled Instagram wrong. I'm dying. The Instagram drives my following web traffic and sponsored opportunities. You have an incredible network of influencers. And for building, oh, for everyone. I wanted you to be my manager. This I remember. This is so fitting for this episode. Every sponsor you bring in, you get 15% of what we negotiate. Oh my God. I can't. And then you're like, if you, for every 1,000 people you bring to my following, I'll give you 15%. I'll give you $150. Look at you, my little business. Wow, what a little sass businesswoman I was. I mean, that's a great offer. (laughs) That is. Now that I know what people charge, I'm like, what a great offer. Yeah, because like, especially then it was, Holy, I don't know if I can curse on this. Like, holy shit, like, 
if we grow, this is when I probably had 10,000 followers. Like if I grow a little bit more, I can bring in more business and like, I need to grow, 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 you know? And now I think the game is, yeah, of course, like a number, but like content creation, there's so much more than just that. But I remember it being like, I posted three times a day. I was just like, grow, grow, grow. Let's crush this. Who could like, we need to get as big as possible. I know. Never. And I wanted you to be like my manager. I think that's the funniest thing ever. You and I like saw the space before it like was the space, if that makes sense. Like we yes. like knew this was going to be something before it was actually something. So actually, if you want to quickly like give your background to so people like, you know, that you left JP Morgan and like explain a little bit about like what yeah. you Yeah. So my background is I graduated Cornell in 2011 and I was a finance major and I worked, I went straight to Wall Street. So I worked at JP Morgan for three years. And then I started my blog uh, when I was there. I've always had like such a math brain. So I loved my finance life, but like, you know, Wall Street life wasn't necessarily for me. And so I was diagnosed with my celiac and food intolerances when I was 19. So my sophomore year of college. At that point, I was like already so far on the JP Morgan finance track, like had my summer internships lined up, knew I was going to end up working at JP Morgan, all that stuff. I wasn't going to change my career once I had this new passion for food. So once I was at JP Morgan and a large part of my job was client entertaining, I needed, well, I mean, I really started no bread because I was always getting sick. I was just so awkward with all my food allergies that I would just like not tell anyone at these client dinners and I would just eat the food and get sick. And I'm like so envious of now, if I was at JP Morgan, I bet like just the way our culture has transformed. It's like, everyone has a something back then I was the only one with anything. And so I started no bread ultimately as a little food reference for myself of like what I could eat when I went back to that restaurant and like on my JP Morgan corporate card, I had the opportunity to go to like the nicest restaurants in New York. Like I was like going to Del Posto. And I think that's what set No Bread apart because this was like in the rise of all the food porn influencers. And they were just posting like ice cream cones. And I was like, well, here's a $150 pasta, you know, and here's like 11 Madison Park. So I was going to all these places. And um, one thing led to another. I just fell so in love with no bread and what I was doing. And I felt like I had two full-time jobs. And when you're 24 and I hope there's other 24 year olds who listen, because like, I remember being like, Oh, I'm already here. I'm stuck. I'm at JP Morgan. When you are 24, you are so young, like do what, and you are also most intuitive when you're younger too, because as you get older, it's just life. Like you have more things that you have to think about. Like, okay, now I'm 30. I actually need to settle down. Can I afford this home and things like that? But when you're young, like, and you know, in your soul, you're meant to be doing something, just do it because you can mess up and go back, you know, to where you started. So I left this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, 2014 or 2015 at that point. I always get my years so confused. Um, I was 24. So whatever year that was. And what happened was I knew I was going to leave. No bread had 4,000 followers and I flew to LA for the weekend, had the best weekend of my life. And I knew I was going to leave like end of summer, maybe after my bonus in six months, flew to LA, had the weekend of my life, flew back, 
walked in and was like, there's just so much more to this world. I'm out. And then hit the ground running from there. Were you like making money from No Bread when you left? Or no, you, like- no, it was, I was at the point and it's interesting because I sit here now and I'm like, gosh, I wish I went to business school. Like, I'm just a nerd. Like I love learning That's and it. I love, I always think back and then I'm like, damn, I wish I went to business school. But I was 24 and at the point where, you know, people, even though I wasn't in, wasn't an investment banker, the bankers were deciding, do they go back to business school? And I was like, well, I'm not going to go business school, why don't I just like start my own business school? So I gave myself, like when I left, I told my parents I was leaving. My dad was like, you have a business plan. Like you have this, you know, you're not, I'm not funding you as you just yeah do this. And I put my entire life finances on a spreadsheet and was very, I, I would, I'm not the kind of person who's going to ask my parents for help either. So I was just like, my parents were like, yeah, we, you have your old bedroom here in Manhasset and you know, you can come home if it doesn't work out. And I, um, like really for the first time, and you know me, I'm like a bougie girl. I love my nice things. And I was like, all right, we're not doing this anymore. I put myself on a major budget. And in my mind, instead of paying a hundred thousand dollars to go to business school, that was going to be like my budget to live on for the next two years. As I tried to make this something. And I didn't even know, I thought it was going to be a resume to get me a job with like the major food group or Danielle Blue, like some, someone major in the industry. I thought that was my path. And then it just became what it was. And I was like, gosh, I'm, I can't work for people. I'll just keep going. Well, like no one knew that like at that point in time, like your path could be yourself. Like no one realized no one. that like this it, it, quote influencer, that wasn't a term. Like the influencer space wasn't existing. And I remember when I worked at my last job and I like, would send this email out to everyone in the company every Friday. And it was called like, in, like, um, bloggers are the new celebrity. And like the term influencer wasn't a thing. And it would yeah. be like a recap of all the people we worked with, all the people we sent product to, like how, what our impressions were. Like that's how much of a freak I was even like, this is 2015. So around the same time. And like, I just, you saw that like the space was going to be something you didn't know. No one knew what it was going to be. Like no one knew that like influencer marketing and brand partnerships were going to be transpire into like what they are today. But like everyone saw the obsession and the infatuation. I mean, look at the, the brand, the infatuation, the infatuation with food and like it coming from all corners that like everyone just kind of like ran with it. Like I knew that that was going to be something like people were oh trusting my. what they were learning off of Instagram more than they were trusting what they were reading on like shape magazine. Oh yeah. And it's like, also, you have to evolve. Like, if you think of what your first brand was and my first brand, I remember my mom always jokes with me about it. She's like, you swore you were never going to show your face is only pictures of food. And now it's like, oh, I have to post a picture of food or, but I just completely like, evolve. now I'm posting way more food than I was. You just have to completely and constantly evolve with what people want. Because when I think about certain publications, like, why did all those old school magazines go out of business? Cause they didn't evolve. They chose not to ignore, they chose to ignore digital and now digital's taken a rise. But then there's some brands who have like, you know, of course, and publications that have evolved, but you just always have to be evolving. Like what I'm doing today is so different than what I was doing this time last year than the year before then. It's like, what am I going to be doing next year? I have no idea. No, you know, like we never know. Like when people say, what do you see in four or five years? I have no freaking idea. I've been doing this full time for five years. And if you told me three years ago that I'd still be doing this full time, you're like, okay, I hope so. But I don't know what that right. looks like. like for you, like you started posting all restaurant reviews and then like eventually you started posting like 
uh, recipes that you were making. Then you start posting more of yourself. And it's like, I feel like a lot of the times, like brands, when you have your own brand, you kind of go with like what you're, and you're, you're very good at doing this, like what you intuitively want to do. Like I'll yeah. talk to you and you'll have like, you'll be set on one idea and like, you'll like want to do this. And then like six months later, it's different. Yeah. And you are doing what makes you happy. And like, that's the best part of what that we do is that we evolve with like, A, what our communities want, but also just like what invigorates us and like makes us, makes us Yeah. Happy. And that's the thing. It's like, I love money. Who doesn't? But I've never led with money. And that's like my thing is that I've always led with my happiness. So it's like, this is making me a lot of money, but it's miserable. Like, don't care. I'm not going to do it because I need to make room for happiness because happiness will lead you to even more money. You know, like, so if you don't evolve and you're just doing something, you're miserable. Like, I always think like, if I was still at JP Morgan, maybe I wouldn't have like X, Y, and Z anxieties in my life. But like, oh, like, that's not like, what I want, you know, I've always just led with like happiness. Okay. What's going to make me happy. I've been a very smart, like financer and budgeter in my life. And I've always chosen to lead with happiness. And that's what I'll for, I remind myself that because it's so easy to get caught up in it and the excitement of like, Whoa, that was so easy to make that much money. But I've always led with like, this is like in my soul intuitively, right. And might sting in the moment, but like, you got to, Put your attention there and I'll never veer away from that philosophy ever ever oh, and that's what's important in like you maintaining like your own brand and, like doing doing what you do it's like like I was even saying to Jordan the other day that like I love doing the podcast I do but it's not my favorite thing of what I do so at the end of this year if it's not like a heck yes I'm going to do this all the time and I'm loving it then I'm not going to do it anymore like I will evolve into something else and like you know there's always different platforms and different things to, like look into when it comes to your brand but it's important to keep doing things that make you happy. While we have one of the wellness queens over on the podcast today, it only seems fitting to talk about one of our favorite wellness products as well. At this point, we are basically all familiar with how game-changing CBD products can be for sleep aid, a pain reliever to ease anxiety, and the list really just goes on. But it can be so confusing to know who to buy your CBD from. I was told to always look for the highest quality CBD and that is where I came across Ned. I think what's amazing about Ned is how open they are about absolutely everything. They share third-party lab reports, who farms their products, their extraction process, and everything all about their products over on their website. It is super confusing to try and navigate good quality CBD out there and Ned is truly making high quality products, you guys. I'm currently using their Magnesium Super Blend, which is seriously a game changer. It has been amazing for my mood, stress response. Hello. And I'm convinced that it keeps me hyper-focused during the workday. If you want to check out Ned and try CBD or their magnesium blend for, their, for yourself, head on over to helloned.com and enter the code Rachel for 15% off your order or 20% off your subscription order plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O ned.com slash Rachel to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. I highly, highly recommend giving these guys a try. They make such awesome products. I even have Jordan and my brother hooked on all of their CBD products now as well. Jump on board. You guys will not regret this. Now let's jump back into today's episode. Let's dive into brand partnerships. So yeah, did you start working with brands? 
Well, Rachel, <laughs> that first partnership came from this woman named Rachel Mansfield, and it was for Buy Energy Drink. Um, so yeah, I mean, when was that? Was probably 2015. I remember how it happened too. I only had like 10 to 20,000 followers, like not much. Um, and I remember that happened, and I was like, whoa okay, there's something here. We've got to figure this out. And that's when I sent you that hustling email being like, all right, like we got to grow. We got to do this. But truly like, actually it's so funny. I have on my computer right in front of me, obviously my payment sheet, like my spreadsheet. I have mine open too. And 2015. Okay. So how much money? It's so funny. Cause from like in 2015 I maybe made like a couple small things here and there and then boom it clicked in 2016 that's that was the year my first year of um doing running my business full-time is too I was fired yeah so it went from maybe like I made five thousand dollars total in 2015 to like you know just hitting six figures in 2016 so I and I remember that too it went from like zero to like boom everyone caught on at the same time like brands realized at the same time growth was happening at the same time but I would say that happened in 2006 so 2016 yeah 2016 was like the start because like like I just I was fired December 4th 2015 and unlike you I didn't have the balls to like leave my job I had 10,000 followers when I was fired I was making like, you know, 150 to $200 a post here or there. Like did not, it was like, I can't see like making this money. And I'm very frugal. Like I was not spending money. I wouldn't even buy a water bottle on the sidewalk because like I was so cheap. And at buy, I was making $54,000 a year, which was literally no money. Like I didn't, and I know a lot of people like they're scared. Like they don't have the like savings account to kind of take the leap and go out on their own and like pursue something. And so much. I didn't take money from my parents when I wanted to do this. Like I wanted to do this myself, and like yeah, I wanted sure that like I it was going to be sustainable. And I like gave myself six months and was like, we'll see what happens. And if I could like make more money than I made at five, then I'll keep doing this. So I've actually never gave it, given out these numbers, but like it's very fascinating that I and I had a call actually. We can dive into this a little bit later. But I had a call with a, someone who works at a company right now, like a brand that I love, and they're like not happy there. They're like, I see, see how much money I'm like paying you and other influencers. And it's nauseating that I'm making like no money. So if I was making 54 grand, I'm looking on my spreadsheet for the, by the end of 2016, I've never given this type of number out, but I made $246,000. Shut up. In 2015, I concluded that year with 11 months of, because I was fired for the last month and didn't get um, severance. $54,000 in 2016, I made $246,000. So F you buy. Thank you for the biggest yeah. blessing. And it obviously it took a shit ton of hustle. And that was the best time for Instagram. And full disclosure, someone growing an Instagram account right now, it is not how it was. Not the same. Yeah. You would get like 20,000 likes on a photo. Like it was just. Well, so- I think about even the people who started doing their own Instagrams, like the OG fashion bloggers, like Ami Song and uh, Sincerely Jules, like they only started like a year or two before us, but that's how, and like, they're the girls who have like one to 10 million now. And it's like, if you caught that wave, it's like, yeah, I don't know about for you, but I knew I wanted to start this like creative blog for at least six months before I did it. Imagine I just started six months earlier. Like, I know it's, it's crazy how it was really like a thing, but then, Hey, like 
our, our group is missing out on this TikTok thing, you know, where like the next generation, so the next generation shouldn't feel like they've missed out on being social media people. Cause like, I don't know what musically was. And when it became TikTok, like now I'm trying to keep up with the cool kids of Gen Z and I don't know what to do. No, and it just kind of goes back to what we said before is like continuing to grow your brand and like innovate in different ways. And I don't think that like growing solely on Instagram is like the way to do it now. It was when we were getting started. Like I remember I was like three times a day and I went from like zero to a hundred thousand followers in a year. No, wow. it, people can do that now, but it's likely to happen on TikTok rather than Instagram. These oh days. yeah, for sure. And it just shows that you have to just kind of like diversify. They're also I felt like when I started, there were so many like niche people, like there were vegan bloggers, like gluten-free, like there was mm-hmm. no one also just doing like food. And I feel like that was like the niche that I wanted to do. I was like, well, first it was all oatmeal. But eventually when I like got to know my brand, I'm like this could be so much more than just oatmeal. And like, once people get started and they like start their little hustle, they like figure out like what actually makes them happy and what their community likes. And then you grow from there. There's no way to have a business plan to do what we do. Like how you mentioned your dad. Exactly. have it. Yeah. Like there's no, there is no business plan. It's just like, it's the wild, wild west a little bit, you know, like you just, I always just shoot and see what sticks. I'm always pushing along like seven ideas and then one will present itself. And there's so much anxiety I have when I'm pushing along seven things because I am someone who likes control and I like to know the answer. And I'm like, I have to like leave it to the universe. I don't know which of these seven is going to be my next Thing. Like you and I always talk about it. It's like, okay, I'm like, yeah, I'm like talking about this brand with coming out with a product. I might come out with my own product. I might get involved with this company. I might do this company's social. I might just hustle no bread. And like, you just got to keep hustling all of them. And then something clicks and you're like, oh, there's the answer. But that's just the answer for right now. Yeah. And like, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so how, let's dive into like how brand partnerships work. So yeah. That was one of the main questions. I like asked, as you saw, like asked Instagram for like what people wanted to know. And we want to know everything. They want to know every single detail and like behind the scenes, which I don't blame them. I want to know every detail about everyone and how they work with brands too. So how do, how does it work working with brands? Like, do they email you? Do they, do you email them? Like, what is it like now? So what it's like now, again, is also so different than what it was like before you and I had management. So right now, well, it's such an evolution because I feel like to start to answer that question, like, let's go, you know, go backwards. A little. Yeah, we have to go backwards because it's really pre the days of us having management. I would fall like eat a company, fall in love with the company. And I would be the one reaching out to them being like, hey, here's I had like a presentation like here's um because I was such a banker, like, here's a past case study of what I did for Cheerios. I would love to do this for you guys, create content. Here's my impression. So I was, you know, first, before I went into like business hustling mode, I would just create a relationship. I'm, that's my sales girl. I'm just such a relationship person, really connecting with the founders of these companies. Like, let me just know how I can support you. I just think your product's awesome. Like that kind of stuff. And then I'd be like, Hey, here's what I just did for Cheerios or my big break was when I worked for Stoli alcohol. And I was like, here's a case study of what I did for Stoli. And then I would pitch them on these different things. And if they bit, they bit. And if they didn't, they didn't. Um, but that was the first time where on your end, like, like on our end, I should say like going after the brands. Oh yeah. And like, occasionally there would be 
you know, someone who would cold email, but it was really like, I was like, all right, I'm, we had to hustle. I don't know. Did you feel the same way? I felt like I was really pitching myself all the time. I'm like, this is because most brands didn't have like a department for social media. They didn't know this yet. I was like teaching them what I could do. And then I always proved myself, which was super important to me to like actually show up and prove myself. Um, and that's, what's interesting too, because now in the days where we have managers, it was hard for me to give up that control to a manager because no one can pitch you better than you. Like no one's going to, especially me with like gluten-free. So if I just have a manager who's like, yeah, she's our gluten-free girl, LOL. Like, no, I'm teaching people about like what it means to be celiac, how it's destroying my small intestine, what they could do to like make their products more gluten-friendly, where it should be certified. Like there's so much more that I'm talking to these brands about than I know that anyone ever will. So that was hard for me when it was time to have a manager come on or an agent and people were, you and I were like, you were the latest in the game of getting a manager. And I remember finally, like you and I were on a walk in Florida and I was like, dude, no, it actually is like really good. You should. And it took a full year and a half after that conversation. I I know. I know. Cause when I heard, I no, I think you told me, I don't, and I was like, you did it finally, like it's time. But then there is that value add of like yeah. all those contracts that we're going through, all that pitching, all the deck analytics, like I'm not creating content. Like I'm so busy. I do need help. And I think asking to help like is like just the biggest sign of strength always. So when I did take that leap and then I did mine as a very slow roll. I was like, well, I'm not going to send you all of my incomings, just the ones. And like my agent now, Erin, like really, I put her through it. Like she proved herself. And then I was like, okay, now you can take my whole business. Cause I like, I don't have time. Well, I think a lot of like, um, from a consumer or like, you know, viewer perspective, people don't realize like all the behind the scenes that like actually happens before oh, yeah. you go from like talking to, from like the brand emailing you or emailing them to when it's posting, like, you know, the brand nowadays, I don't proactively reach out to brands unless it's like a specific, like, you know, I have a specific life thing going on. Like when I had Brody Nazar, I start, I pitched myself to yeah. get that started. Cause like, I wouldn't expect a baby red to reach out to someone who like makes banana bread and, and things like that. That makes no sense. Totally. But now, for the sake of like simplicity, like a brand will like email you or email us. And then when I didn't have a manager, I would, you know, send over like my media kit. I wouldn't give rates because I wanted an idea on like what their budget was like. Yeah, same. I would hop on the phone with every single freaking brand, which was an hour of my time, then would negotiate back and forth with them via email or it could via be the- a month, two so months. Then yeah. they, they, most brands didn't even have contracts. So I, I had a contract written up or they sometimes they would. We would send the contract, go back and forth on the contract. This is like after trying the product to make sure that I liked it. Yeah. Then, you know, creating the content, sending it for approval, going back and forth on that, setting it in the content calendar and then posting it. It was like a marathon and doing that for dozens of brands every like month was wild. And I got to the point where I had Ezra and that's where I said to myself, Ezra was a year old and I was on an air on an airplane. It was like right before COVID. I remember just saying, so something's got to give. I'm either going to hire an assistant or hire a manager. And that's when I just said, you know what? I feel like a manager will help. Like, I love the business part of what I do. Like I, like I said, I wanted to manage you. Like, I love that part of it. Yeah. It's like the creates, like I'd rather have more fun in the kitchen and like do other things. And that was when I signed with DBA because I was like, I can't 
do this on my own anymore. But what people don't realize is like how many steps there are from like the moment you have that outreach until the day the product's live. Like I'm sure you have a calendar that has everything like previews are due, then this is the day it's live. Oh like, yeah. And also like how many inquiries we all now get. Yeah. Um, you posted something the other day and I actually screenshot it and it was about like, what did people say when it, like you work with too many brands or something? Yes. And like, this is the way that the industry has evolved. Like back when we first started, there weren't even that many, oh, I'll speak for myself. Like there weren't even that many products I could promote because gluten-free, the things that fit my, it was really just about like cooking and recipe when we all first started. Now there's this next wave of the way the world has evolved is that there are all these better for you brands that we are down to eat. So yes, we used to all, we used to like cook all the time because there wasn't many other things that we were down to go buy. Now we're down to go buy those things and obsessed with them trust them more than my own cooking. Like I can go eat a mush or I can spend 10 minutes making an oatmeal. I may as well go grab the mush because they did it so great. You know, like, so it was, your answer was two part. It was essentially like, we're obsessed with these brands. Like these are now our daily lives. Our brands are showing you our daily lives. So yeah, like how lucky are we that we can now talk about these things too and like get paid for it because this is, and then second part, like, this is our careers. You know, we do have to, you have kids. I'm, you know, just looking at me and my craziness, but like, it's how lucky are we that there are all these products that over the years we've literally become obsessed with and eat more than the recipes we make for ourselves. And like, we also get to promote them now too. It's amazing. Exactly. And that's it. You know, I don't get a lot of backlash and like too much sponsored stuff. And one person right to me, like, are you going to be posting sponsored stuff every single day moving forward? And, you know, I know they didn't mean it in a harmful way. Like, I get it. Like, it's annoying. Like, when I follow someone, I don't, like, the people, like, I love following don't even post about food. It's, like, lifestyle and fashion. When they have back-to-back stuff, I'm like, really? But then I get it because these brands that we're posting about, like, we authentically love and believe in. Like, I'm going to the store and, like, buying this product. And, like, the fact that they want to then work with me is a dream. It's something I'm forever grateful for. It took a F ton of hustle to get there. But, like, from my perspective, we're constantly giving out free content. That how do you expect someone to just give out free content 24-7 and not make any money? So it's like, yes, we're making money. But I'm not only talking about, you know, the that brand, Hel- oh, we both love that brand, Helma. Like, I'm not talking about that because they're paying me. I'm talking about that because that's the first thing that's like a more like holistic approach to headaches that is making my headache go away. And it's amazing that they'll pay me to talk about them. I'm so grateful for that. And like that, like the point of what we do is to, we get to try all these products and a lot of them aren't, they're not cheap. And I love that we get to try them and tell them if people, if it's worth them buying it. I always yeah, like I'm, we're saving you the time of like going to the store and like, I'm sure people buy things because they see it from us and then they end up not liking it, which is fine. Everyone has like their own preferences, but I just can like, I can't pay my mortgage by like making recipes for free. Exactly. And also like someone, someone asked, I did a Q and a yesterday and someone asked me like, um, and I actually didn't even answer it, but not for any reason. I just had other ones, but it was like, is every brand you talk about something that you're either invested into or making money off of? And my knee jerk reaction was like, God, no, I pay for everything here. I hate having too much product in this house. Mm-hmm. I, it literally gives me anxiety. Like I, yesterday, my assistant and I spent 
an hour reorganizing my pantries. And I'm like, emailing people like, take, please take my address off of your list. Like even brands that I'm working with, I'm like, why don't you just send me $10? Don't send me 16 bags of chips. Like, let me just give me a $10 add on to the stipend. I'll go buy two bags. Like I like clutter, but also the brands that I eat, some of the brands that I eat every day and post about every day, don't pay me are never going to pay me. Don't care that I eat them. Like you know, Asha Pops. I eat a bag of Asha Pops every day. They're so yeah. good. They're the smallest company ever. I don't expect them to, I would actually, if they offered me money, I'd be like, stop it, take it back. You know, like most things I eat are the, I love Erewhon here in Los Angeles because they have all these like brand new finds. Like I love these like new wave, better for you things that don't have budget are, you know, in their first month of business. Like I have no involvement in, and I'm spending so much money on food and stuff every day because I'm a huge consumer. But that's what I think by doing that, it also kind of pays off sometimes in the end. So for example, like I've been eating perfect bars since I worked at Buy, So that was like seven, eight years ago. Perfect bar had one or two flavors in the refrigerator at Whole Foods when I started eating them. It was peanut butter and almond butter, maybe the coconut peanut butter. There wasn't much in there. And I ate those and posted about those every single day for, I think it was five years. And last year, like for 2020, I landed a huge deal with them. And I posted about them for free for five years. Wow. Actually it paid off. And it's like, no, I didn't do that just so in the end, but like brands see when you're organically and like posting about them and they're 100%. Same thing. When I spoke to Mush last week, they were like, you know what? Like we're only working with you because you've been talking about talking about us organically for quite some time. Like they're like, we're not going to reach out to people that don't, that are just posting about us to, cause we're paying them and brands notice that. And think that was like always my biggest concern with signing with management is that I feel like I would lose that like human touch and like the human interaction with a lot of brands, but a lot of brands aren't interested in that. They make things so transactional, especially the brands that work with like influencer agencies that manage everything. So to give you guys an example, a lot of the times like a brand just like how Nicole and I have management, have an agency helping us, like brands have an agency helping them. So it could be like this, like brand X has an agency that manages influencer relations. And then the influencer relations people talk to our management and the management talks to us. So it's like all these people in the party and then you don't get to know them. And then I get sad sometimes when that happens because I want to know more about the brand and the people behind it. Because when I love the people behind it, then I want to support them even more and go above and beyond. Totally. And that's what's interesting too. And you, especially when you mentioned mush, right? Like I remember you were posting about mush and I was like, Oh my God, did you meet with Sarah? So Sarah's my Cornell sorority sister. So all this so incestual. I loved mush. I would always talk about mush. My family's obsessed with mush. And then when Sarah started working there, it's like, Oh my gosh, now not only do I love mush, but I want to support my friends and their companies. So like, um, I'm going to like really double down on how much mush I eat. And then, yeah, like when it was time for mush to work with someone, they were like, we'll do a trial run with you. We haven't done influencer marketing yet. We're going to do a trial with you because yeah. like we're, and Chena are just like, you know, sisters, sorority sisters. We can just like text about it versus like going through the whole management thing. I obviously had brought my team in on it, but like also the majority of these relationships that you see, like, yes, we have management, but it's still us doing like so much to yeah. get to that point. There's yes, whenever there's like a brand agency is running a campaign, that means that that brand is maybe a bit bigger, a bit more hands off. So that's really like agent to manager relationship. But then these smaller brands, like it starts with us over DM because we're already talking about it naturally. Or then, you know, 
I'm in New York in a month. Like who else? Like which of my brands are there? Let me stop by and say hi. Like not making money by stopping in and saying hi, but like I just actually love meeting the people that I'm DMing with all the time. And like the people who are making this product that I'm obsessed with. And that's how you set like genuine friendships with people. Like I just, I love calling up like, the brands and like the one, like now that I do have management, like for example, the woman who's behind Spindrift, like I called her last week just to say hello. And she's like, I miss talking to you every day. I was like, I'm, I'm still here. Like I didn't go anywhere just cause like my content is submitted through my team. Like you can call me, like anyone can call totally. me like, having kickoff calls with brands because I like getting to know them. And it just makes it so much more like personal in so many ways. Yeah. When did you sign with man? Like, when did you know? Probably like 2000. Let me check on my sheet. Honestly, 2019. Okay. So um, and I started out by saying to Aaron, like, I'll give you some of it. I'll give you some. And then after like three or four months or maybe in like 2018, like she would like bring me a deal like as a one-off, like she'd be like, Hey, Nicole, I met with these people, you know, can I, are you cool if I just pitch you to them? Like you don't have to send me anything, but on these occasions, so my agent, she was formerly at a PR firm, but she, that was covering brands. She realized that she could just do that herself. And she was like, I was like, yeah, cool. Like if you have something like no sweat to me, I can still do my thing. Like, yeah, bring me more money. Awesome. And then I would say 2019, I was like, okay. Um, So maybe by the end of 2018, I was letting her, I was like, wow, this chick's like bringing me a fair amount. And because a lot of people's concerns and I had had two other agencies in the past, like 2016, like right when I was on my rise, someone came in and I was like, they're taking, they're bringing me absolutely nothing. They're evil. And like, they have no brand. I was like, so quickly left that, gave it another try with a a more like Hollywood agency when I came here. Cause I was like, oh, they do a lot of like my big name friends. Like, of course they're going to take me on. But then I was like, why do they give a shit about me when they have all these bigger name people like they're not gonna care about my smaller deal so I had been scarred twice by like this management experience so Erin was like the best because she literally was just like and Erin's with Neon Rose that's my agency she was just like you don't have to send me anything just like let me bring you some things and if it if you need my help and you want me to like take a peek we can figure out a rate that feels good for you like I had so much anxiety over it so then I probably 2018 probably started giving her more. And then 2019, I was like, um, giving her like the majority. And then my first ever time, like signing a something with her was 2020, I think was the way it it took it. She was, she had so much faith in me and I had to, she was like, and even now, like what's really cool about having a manager is like (laughs) how she was just down for me to like, you know, take my time and decide if this was the right fit for me, like there are times when I'll like commit to a brand deal and I'll freak the fuck out. Cause I get anxiety and I'll be like, Hey, can you pull me out of this gig? I just like can't post for two weeks. And never has anyone on my team ever been like, no, Nicole, you must post. They're like, okay, cool. We'll get you out of this. Take care of your mental health. Like go, you know, sleep, nap, go on vacation, go do something. Like, so you just have to find like once. And there, I think there was a moment where like that happened in 2019 and I was like, oh, this chick has my back. And then I was like, you can take my entire business. Like no one, no one sees me like that. Like no brand is going to understand. But she was like, oh my God, do not post, take a vacation. Well, and I was like, take my business. You got me. 
See, that's where I, I was like, really didn't under, I didn't have an understanding of like, that's how the relationship could be. And not because I was scarred. I just like, didn't know that that was out there. And like, now my team helps me like strategize. Like my manager, helps yeah. me. she texted me the other day and was like, you need to start like doing your Instagram lives that you said you were going to be doing for months now. Like you need to start doing it. Like she just like pushed me. I tuned in the other day. What? I tuned um, in the other day. She's like, <laughs> you need to start getting on Pinterest again. Like you need to start doing this. Like like she pushes me in ways that like I really need. And I feel like I'm very hard on myself in so when it comes to like brand partnerships, especially, but I'm also so like set in my ways that I forget sometimes to like expand. Like, I don't want to be on TikTok. That's not for me. Like I'm not a TikToker, yeah. but I love doing these Instagram lives. Like they're so fun. And like, that's a different that. way to monetize my business. Like I can start and as they grow, I can start having brands pay to be on the Instagram live, like down the road. Like that's not why I'm doing them, but it's just another way for me to like put content out there and be able to like still pay my bills at the same time. Totally. And I just like, it's important if for someone who's like looking for management and now there's a lot of agencies that represent, I don't know what's considered a micro influencer these days. Like apparently it's like a hundred thousand followers, which to me, that's like still huge. I'm like, I don't understand the world. And, but there's like agencies that specialize in that. Like I have a lot of friends that have like under 50,000 followers and they have management. So there's yeah. management help anyone. They help you with the strategy. They help you with like the, in, I guess just to give a little bit of background, they'll help with invoicing the contracts. They'll help strategize like how you can help, how you can grow your brand. I sent um, my manager, like I did a denim haul, like a denim shorts reel. And I sent it to her. I'm like, do I post this or I do, do I look like a clown? She's like, you have to post it. Like, it's just nice to have a sounding board. It's almost just like a right hand. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a full sounding board. Like I'll always send like this or that, like two photos to my team and like see which one that they come back with. No, it's like really nice. It was the best thing I ever did. I signed with PBA April 1st, like during COVID. And yeah. it was literally the best, best thing ever. Yes, um, you're only getting like one year with them. And so you you do year. agree like it was the, the right thing to do. Yeah, I, like world of a difference. After I had Ezra, I didn't, do, like I didn't take maternity leave this time around really either. But what a world of a difference, not having to worry about the contracts, the invoicing, this setting my ca- content calendar. Like, so I didn't feel stressed after having Brody. Like I had a lot of content due, but it wasn't stressful because I was able just to focus on the creative and not on the menial tasks behind that, that I don't want to be, be doing anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're postpartum, you're hormonal. Like I don't want to hop on the phone with brands and talk to them about negotiating. Like I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so I want to see some of the other questions that people were asking. I think, I mean, this one we kind of touched, right? Like, how do you and your manager decide which brands are right to partner with? Which is like, if we love and use a brand. Yeah, and also a manager has to present to you anything that's offered to you. So if a brand goes to your management and it's for like Clorox bleach, I don't know, or like something, whatever. And then they say, we want to offer Nicole X. Let's say they know it's something that I'm never going to do. They'll literally write, they're like, hey, we know you're not interested. Just pat, like letting you know, here's your offer. Or they'll say like a brand that I do want to work with. Um, hey, Nicole, like here's the rate. I know it's under rate. Would like to connect with you on this to discuss if it's a pass. Because sometimes, yeah, like a brand I'm obsessed with might give me a really shitty offer, but like I talk about them every day anyway, like whatever, just throw it on in there. So it's always an open communication between the managers. Like they have to they're going to pitch me for things that I'm like, why'd you even pitch me for that? But like, they just, their job is to get offers and then present it to me and I'll decide if I want to do it. And there's so much power in saying no. Like right now I'm on the biggest say no 
train ever. Same. Yeah. Saying, I'm saying no to everything, but I'm doing better than ever. It's like, I'm trying to do less and then you end up doing more. No, I was saying something last night and she texted me and said, she's like, I sent you an offer that needs like a yes or no fast. She's like, I don't think you're going to do it. I looked at it. It was like a decent chunk of change. And I would never use the product. I'm like, no, yeah. I like I, and I had such difficulty saying no at first for things. And now I'm just like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a, it's so cliche now that like expression, but it literally is a hell no. Like I don't have time for this. I'd rather dedicate those few hours and send them with my family than post about a product. I was going to say also like, I always say it's like my friends who are mothers who are in blogging. I'm like, gosh, I say no so much now. Like if I had kids, I'd be saying like, it's, so much work. Like I know it looks easy, but like I am so amazed and by all you super moms who like do it all because like yeah, you're providing for a family. So it's like you kind of feel like you need to do it all, but then it's it is emotionally taxing sometimes. Like especially I remember I'm going through something right now where I'm like, I just don't want to show my face on social media for a bit. Like I'm just like kind of done. Like but then I'm like okay well I'll just do more recipes. But I'm like gosh like when you do a recipe how much staging goes into it. And then the cleanup is like, it's, I was like, you know what? Rather just go outside and take a selfie. And I'm like, there we go. You know? So it's, I know it might look easier. Someone's just doing recipes. My gosh, no. And like, um, we're both friends with Nicole from Kale Junkie. Like that is some professional photography on those photos. And I like, I look at them I'm like, God, you should be hired by food and wine mag. And I'm like, these recipe you know, are all you girls who are like really hardcore recipe. I'm like, I don't think people realize how time consuming each of those recipes are just with like staging, cleanup and shooting, Never mind creating, tasting, failing, making it again, trying it to make it better. Like it's so much. There are some recipes that literally will take me three days to figure out. And then it's like, that's just the testing part of it. Like it's very time consuming, but I always look at it from like, I'm like kind of sometimes I'm annoying where like I'll try and spin everything to be like somewhat positive but like this is so true in fact where now especially I'm doing a lot more savory stuff instead of just sweet so I'm making food that like we get to eat for lunch and dinner like I'm testing recipes but then like I don't have to think about dinner at six o'clock because it's already made and I get so stressed like putting my face on Instagram stories every day that I actually had a call with like the brand partnerships team at my agency later last year and I remember the woman saying to me, Rachel, you have to show your face if you want to grow your brand. Like you are not going to keep doing this. I just like, I know, but like last week I had a sty and then I had like a scab on here and it's like, I look disgusting. And then I don't mind putting that out there because no one looks perfect. But the amount of messages, I'm like, what the hell happened to your eye? People are saying, it's like, this is why I don't like putting myself out there. And then it's like, I'm recording all this pr- like content to be posting and I have a sty. And then I'm like moving all the content up to make sure I'm posting it the day that like the week that I have this die. So it's still relevant. It's just like putting your face on your brand is. I Yeah. And also there. like today, for example, how I look right now, I just woke up everyone. I'm on the West coast. So it's earlier here. Like I look pretty gross. This isn't me being like negative to myself. Like it's, I just woke up. I'm a little puffy. But, like I want to look like this all day today. But now if I have the Instagram story with my face, I'm like, but what if I don't want to? You know, like I want to like keep this look for myself and myself only. I do think that I do show myself like this a lot. And like, maybe that creates like authenticity because I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to just glam. Like when some people are like, today is no makeup Tuesday. I'm like, I'm no makeup six days a week. But like, if I felt that pressure to like make up for my Instagram, no way. No, you have to, I, I have like a zero F's mentality when it comes to showing myself on. It's just like, 
I don't like deal. I don't mind showing when I look ridiculous. I just don't like getting the backlash for like the questions, like what's wrong with your eye? Like, no, 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 no. I'm like, okay, just leave me alone. Like everyone gets a sty. But I don't, someone asked me what my favorite concealer is. I don't own makeup. Like I literally have mascara and I haven't put it on in months. Like I don't have any makeup. I just don't care. Um, why? Okay. So the next question, why do influencers post about the same thing on the same day? It's such overload. Hilarious. So it's actually funny because I like brought that up to my agency. Like my, there's something recent that you and I, we all did. Everyone posted the same thing. And I was just like, it looks a little like I get it from the brand's perspective that they have this message and they are trying to like hone in on that message. What's that? The launch, like a new product. No, everyone did the seed smoothie. Oh, yes, it was like over like three days, and I was yes. like, and I was like, everyone. So I, I get it because we're there. I understand their mission. Seeds like my favorite brand in the world. Like I, that's an example of someone that I was using for years. Met with the founders even before they decided to work with me, and yeah. I was like, wow, everyone is making the smoothie. So I do get it. Like it makes that effect that like. look, it caught that person's attention. Why is everyone talking about this one thing? But also I'm like, everyone is also, we're all so different that like, it's very natural. And then, you know, we're all in the same greater space. So once a brand has a larger budget, they do tend to work with like the same group of us um, and others. Like you really want to diversify who you're working with. But yeah, like I've always felt like, if I was a brand that probably wouldn't, I would have a set group of people who I work with, but I probably wouldn't have them post like all in the same day. I'm finding more and more that brands are doing that though. I think that it's interesting. Yeah, It's not up to us to answer the question. No, like I think that I love that you brought up seed because I actually like realized that and I forgot about it, but that's a prime example of a product that like, I actually asked my team to look into seed because I had heard such good things. I said, I really want to try this probiotic. Like it looks awesome. And I openly said that on Instagram when seed was one of those brands that someone said, um, is this brand worth the hype? They said, it's so funny you say that because like I'm influenced to try this. Like I'm going to be trying it. I'll let you know what I think. And then the day I post about it, everyone and their mom is posting about freaking seed and it's a great product. But I think Sometimes if it's like a new product launch or like a new flavor or something like people like Spindrift does that a lot where they have, yeah, they want it to be around the same time, which I get. Yeah. It's overload, but like it also, it does work because when there's a new product launch, I'm, I totally get it. It, that makes so much sense. Like flood the feed with this new product. I agree with that. Like, and yeah, I think that what's interesting too about like influencer marketing and everything is that I'm so influenced by other influencers. Like there are so many brands that I'm like, you know, looking at and being like, oh wait, found this from so-and-so. And I'm also like, so I'm that person. Like, I want all my friends to be successful. I want us all to grow. I want us all to be rich. Let's all go on vacations together. Like I'm like very much that. So if someone's like, oh, wait, are you working? Like you and I are a great example of it. Cause I think we're rare how we can like call each other and like talk about things and be like, oh, like, are you working with this person? Like, what do you think I should do about this? Like, that's very rare. Whereas I'm like, no, let's all raise each other up and like grow and be successful together. But I'm hyper influenced by like things that I see my friends eating and knowing that they love. I'm like, okay, I got to go try that. Let me go buy it. And then, yeah, if I happen to naturally be talking about it, and like, you know, let's say I'm talking about something and one of my friends is influenced by me talking about it. They end up getting a brand deal with them. 
hell yeah. Now it's two of us. It's not like there's, it's one or the other. It's like, there's so much room in this space for all of us. And I think that influencers lose sight of that, but I'm like, let's just influence each other too. Exactly. And like, I, I'm just not a competitive person with other people. Yeah. I'm really competitive with myself. Like I, you know, which I think you are as well. And like, yeah. I don't mind telling like, my friends how much money a brand's paying me. I don't mind saying if that brand was horrible to work with, don't work with them. Like, I think that's where kind of a lot of quote influencers like get so caught up in their own game that they don't, they don't talk about it with other people. But like, it's important to have those types of conversations um, and just like be open and honest about it because like even the brand, I think there's a ritual. Like they have, supposedly they have a good postnatal. Like I'm influenced to try that. I've never worked with them. I've yeah. never, like I want to just order it so I can be like, okay, is this actually good or not? Um, so I think it's like, I still get influenced from other people and other things. And I think it's like good to just like have an open stream of communication with oh, everyone. Really? Have you ever gone from like loving a product and obsessing over it and you post about it all the time and then you don't post about it anymore and people kind of notice you don't post about it anymore and they're like what happened to this brand um not so much with a brand but like for example like I was the smoothie girl for like two years I was like and now people are like do you not eat smoothies I'm like no I'm just sick of showing you the same smoothie that I eat I'm still actually having like a smoothie a day it just I'm bored of myself of hearing myself talk to you about it um so for me I don't I can't really think of any brands where I was like I mean what in 2015 I was with Cheerios and because anything gluten-free was like yes there was so little out there at the time now I'm like Oh my God, why would I ever touch a Cheerio when I can have a three wishes or a like anything else that's better for you? And like, basically is that, but just delicious and has good for you ingredients. So there, again, if, if it has, it's just more of the way that like the industry has evolved over time. Like there was a replacement made for it, but I've never been like so obsessed with a brand. I'm a creature of habit. So I'm like, probably still having it maybe just not showing it as much but I feel like there's never been a brand where I was like so addicted and then I was like peace like we're out yeah I have a few thoughts on this on this because this question actually came up a lot and my first approach to this is that there are okay so sometimes I'll use a product whether it's in like whatever category it could be a supplement food skincare or whatever and I'll use it every day for like two or three years and then I just don't like it anymore. Like sometimes it doesn't work for my skin anymore. Sometimes I don't like the taste of it anymore. Sometimes I just like feel like I should switch up my supplement routine a little bit. Like I, and then like, I don't talk about it as much. It doesn't mean I don't like the brand. It just means I'm using another one instead or another one in addition to it. And with like the amount of content and stuff to post, I'm not going to post about brands I'm not using every day. Yeah. I just, I feel like it's important. Like it's more like strategic. Um, but also at the same time, I can't post every single thing that I'm eating during the day and every single thing I'm putting on my skin every day because my entire, our entire Instagram search would just be products yes. all freaking day. So like I prioritize the brands that are paying me better money. Like if I still love the product, like, and if it's a product that's not paying me and I like it, it's that if it's a, a brand that isn't willing to pay me the, the amount of money I want to be paid, I'm not going to keep posting about them all the time because that's just being like strategic in some ways of like why commit to like so much sponsored stuff. if like, you don't feel valued in a way. Well, yeah. And there's also, there is an interesting point too, like lesser evil, for example, I'm with them and I have to do one story set a month. 
I have, like, I walk by my lesser evil bag every day and I have a few, right? But I talk about it once a month. It maybe gets shown naturally one other time once a month. I'm just not that girl whose stories, there are some people who story throughout their day everything that is ever, they ever touch. And those, I give those people the most credit in the world because I'll never do that. But like, so let's say I stopped working with lesser evil. I'm still going to walk by that bag and have a few every day and not show it because that's me. I don't show much. So are people going to think that, oh, she was just doing that because it was an ad? No. Or if I stop working with them, does that mean I now have to show people how I walk by that bag just so that they didn't think it was inauthentic in the past? Like, there's so much that goes into everything. But like, I'm not that girl who like stories every moment of my existence. I actually rarely story. So, but I'm still eating these brands that I'm also doing ads for. I, then it's just, it's such a fine line that we all have to walk of like showing something too much, not showing it at, at all, being authentic, being inauthentic. It's like so much thought goes into every little frame yeah. because it, it's everything's like strategy. Like, oh wait, maybe I'll walk by that bag today and be like, FYI guys, I do this every single day and I'm good for a month. Like it's so hard. It is hard. And I feel like I show maybe 10% of what I'm actually eating during the day because oh, yeah. A, I want to like be eating something when it's hot. I got really overeating cold food. And B, how often I just show my empty plate. I'm like, sorry, forgot to show you I was hungry. It's like the first thing that I like, it's like, I don't, I'm not hungry and then pick up a snack. And the first thing I think is to take a picture of it. Like, that's why I never like doing restaurant type reviews. Cause I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm, I'm, when the food comes, I'm hungry. Like I can't be worrying about like doing this and then I get flustered and then this. And it's like, I want to just be present with my food. And now that like I have my family, I don't have my phone, my phone at the dinner table. My phone is in the bathroom. Like I purposely leave it away. And I eat lunch and dinner with Ezra. So like, I'm not thinking to like record us. Like sometimes if I, he's doing something funny, I'm like, George, can you grab my phone so I can like do it? But like, it's important to not show every single part. I feel like people take stories so literally in the sense where it's like, oh, they don't post about this every day. They don't use it. But that's not what Yeah. That's the thing. Like, especially now my whole thing is I'm only going to story two to three times a week just for like, think about it. Like the days that you're storing, you have to be on all day. Like, so I'll usually like stack up posts and then story them. Now I'm just doing like two to three times a week at most for like my mental well-being. Yeah. Um, that's actually a really good idea. I don't know if I could handle that with like my content calendar, but that'd be great. Yeah. I'm like posting on Instagram this entire weekend after Friday. I have two things to post. Oh, Friday. I never post on Friday and Saturday, except this week. Actually, like I say, that I just jinx myself. I might have to post something on Saturday. It's because I'm going away somewhere and I have to like post yeah. on there. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, I'm not posting anything on my stories. Oh, yeah. Holidays are always off. I can't. Like, I, I feel like I don't do a good job at that. But like I now with Ezra and Brody, like, I don't want you looking at my phone. Maybe I'll do, I don't like the photo dump term, but like, maybe I'll do like a load of. Yes. Um, yes. And so affiliate codes and, or just codes in general. And I, I always wondered this too, because I thought I have that. such an opinion. You have such an opinion? Yeah. Okay. Well, first, this is this is easy, an uh, easy yes or no. Do you make mo- the first part of the question? Do you make money every time you share a code? Rarely. Yeah, no. There's like maybe one brand or two, but like so rarely. Really? Yeah, I don't really do affiliate. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So different views on this. This is gonna be a good one to talk about. Yeah. Okay. So, so tell me your yeah. opinion. Okay, so for me, um, okay. It's, it's a more complex question than yes or no, because for those affiliate partners, are you also getting paid on top? Mm-hmm. Okay. So oh, that's sorry. Oh, sorry. Are you asking me? Yeah. So like, 
for me, if a brand's not going to pay me, um, but they're like, we'll just give you this code. I no, I it's yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, we're on the same page with if a brand is paying me a flat rate to do something and then they're like, and also here's an affiliate link. Yes. So, um, I'm like, sure. Why not? Because they're going to want me to swipe up to their discount code anyway. So yeah, if I can make some money off of it, sure. But that's Uh, already like they're already paying me. So I don't view that as like, I don't really view that as an affiliate link. I view that as like part of this like brand partnership. Okay. Got it. See, it's, I'm so at the point where I don't even consider doing affiliate only. Correct. So there's no such thing as affiliate only is what I meant. I'm so happy that you like corrected me on that because I it literally didn't even occur to me. No, I absolutely would never post about a product. Yeah, if it was yeah. affiliate only. I don't have the time or the patience. I don't Correct. But if it's a brand that I'm a partner with, yeah. And they also have given me a code and they're like, and you'll also make money off of that code, then sure. But I view that as already part of the partnership. Like, and wow. then yeah, it does incentivize me as we were talking about like strategic placement in stories. It does incentivize me to talk about them a little bit more, but they're also paying me a monthly fee. So it's really in my mind, because you don't move the needle on commissions. Maybe you do. Like I, there's some that I'm like, oh, sick. Like that was funny. But like, for the most part, if you're doing 15% of a granola bar, like it's really not that much. So I don't even count that money. Like I see it. My mom is my business manager and like she'll at the end of each month, like update like commissions. I'm like, oh, funny. Cause like to me, it doesn't even, that's not really, it's imaginary money, you know? Um, but no, there, there's no universe where I'll just do like, here's your code, but like, we're not a partner of yours. No, never. Sorry. I'm so happy that you actually said that because I didn't even think about think about it from that perspective. Um, I would say for me, it's like 50-50. Sometimes the brands will give me, a, like every brand that is paid, like every brand that you see a code, I am being paid to give you that code for the most part. Actually, I'm not because my lactation cookies I eat, they don't pay me to post a code, but I just like, it's like one woman making cookies. Well, there, yeah, for example, like some of my, there are a few where I'm like, I think I always say that too. I'm like, I have zero affiliation to this, but other than my obsession, here's a code that they've offered to you. I'm not making any money on those though. Yeah. It just, I feel like it kind of varies, but like if so, if it says like paid in partnership with, or if it's a sponsored thing and then like there's a swipe up and it says code, I'm not always making money from that code. I correct my team to always get money from that code, but sometimes the brand's like, well, it's either one or the other. Correct. And like, we'll then build it into the rate and that's, but then like you were saying before, I'd rather have the code as well because then I'm more incentive. I have more of an incentive to post about them a few days later if I'm making money from it. And um, then, yeah. But then in, to your original question, so when you put in that perspective, like I'd say 90% of the brands, when you partner with them, are going to say she has to promote this code. Of those ones that I'm now paid to partner with on a monthly fee or whatever the campaign is, how many of those am I making affiliate dollars from? Not that many. Same. And I don't really care to, I'm, I'm not like, it doesn't move the needle on my life. No, it's like, and if it was an affiliate thing, I would kind of feel like morally obligated to post about it more. And I don't care because it's not moving the needle on my life. Yeah. I mean, like for, I think we could both agree on this is that like, we give codes out to make a brand and a product more accessible to you. Like, correct. Like that's the point of the code. The point of the code isn't to like, 
make us more money. Like there's other ways that we make money. It's just kind of like an extra bonus, like for you guys, because yes. a lot of the time a brand, a, par- a product's really expensive. And like, I want to, we try, want to try and make things as like accessible as possible. I guess yeah. And I used to be so anti-discount code. I was like, it's cheesy. Hey. Add like back in like 2017, 2018, I was like, no way, no way. Now, because again, I'm an influencer, but I get influenced. How many times have I hit up my friends being like, hey, what was your code to that? And if they go, oh, I don't have a code, I probably don't buy it. Like, and I, I can afford it, but it just, why not? I would only buy things with a code, you know? Like, so now I put myself in the consumer's shoes and I'm like, I want a code and I can afford it. So if I can afford, like, how about the people who are, you know, there's a bit of a push, like wellness things are more expensive. Like, yeah. damn it, get them a code. I don't exactly. care if it sounds cheesy. Like people bought, use and buy things pretty much only when there's a code. This brand gave me a code once for 5% off. And it was like, oh, the content didn't perform well. Like, oh, <gasps> that's because you gave me a code for 5% off. Who yeah. wants to be coming for 5% off? Not me. And that was an error on my end because I missed that in the brief when I committed to it. So I'm like reading the brief before... We didn't even get into that part. I'm like reading the brief before recording the content, making sure I'm like looking at all the mandatories. You know, 5%, is that a joke? And like in retrospect, I kind of wish I just called my team and said, I'm not doing this. Like that is just a slap. And I'd rather not give a code than give a code for 5% off. So there's so many times where I'm like, you're given an offer and I'm like, sweet, love the deal. But like that offer is rude, you know, to my followers, like this or nothing. Oh, for example, I have a brand right now that I'm, I won't say their name because it's like, we're like in talks and I think they're going to fix it. I just don't think they realize, but like they charge like infinite amount for shipping. The discount code doesn't even cover the shipping, you know? So like, what? We're in a brand strategy. Someone work on that shipping cost, you know, like, but those are, again, it's like how cool that I can have that conversation with a brand. I'm like, Hey, consumer perspective. I'm almost like embarrassed to tell people to like swipe up because they're not going to buy it reflects on me that they're not buying it. But like, it's because of what you guys are doing up there. You know, we got to fix that. Yeah, totally. Actually this, I want to talk more about like the creative briefs that we're given for each thing, because this question didn't come up at all. Cause I don't think anyone realizes that we're given like mandatories. So for every brand, especially actually now, yeah, every single brand that I'm that we're working with is given either a PDF, a PowerPoint presentation, a document, some type of like scope of work that has so many mandatories in it, sometimes to the point where it's obnoxious. And I have because it's a full script with like dialect. Yeah. And I'm like, do they think I can say all those words in 15 seconds? And also it's like start in selfie mode. I don't want to start in selfie mode. Like that doesn't make sense for this product. Like sometimes yeah. very micromanage and That's something that I really despise about what's going on in the influencer space right now is that the autonomy just isn't there with some brands. And it's mostly the brands that are managed by agencies than the brands that are in-house because they're a lot more like willing to work with you and customize. And the agencies that manage these influencer campaigns are so like, it has to be like this and then this, then you have to say this. And then you have, if you don't say it in two frames, like there's some things that are like, you have to say swipe up in two frames. You have, it's, I get, I get paralyzed. And then I, like, yeah. oh. honestly, I think I have, a. have made it pretty well known to anyone who works with me. Like, thank you for the rough outline, but I'm going to, I'll hit on these points as I, as I can. And I know like you, if you're working with us, it's because you have to trust us. And like, that doesn't resonate with my brand. 
So therefore, we're going to do it this way, not some being an asshole, but because I'm helping you and your brand. And I think most brands with me are like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, this was just a rough thing. Like, love it. Thanks. Bye. You know, that's like definitely. But there's some that like aren't, at least that I've worked, that aren't as like. Like one brand recently wanted me to work out in frame. It's a three-story campaign and they wanted me to work out in the first and last frame. But I was like, so I said, do like three slides of referencing in frame two. So I did, I worked on the first one and then second and third. And they're like, well, can she add a fourth? And I'm like, oh, I see what they're doing. Like you didn't pay me for a fourth. No, you're just telling, like, telling me I didn't nail the messaging. Now you get yes. it. And a lot of times brands will try and sneak that around. And I'm like, no, no, no. And like a lot of times I signed on yesterday, I signed on for a one frame campaign and I did three, like, cause I get excited. I just keep talking. Like it just, you know, you have to trust the influencer. Well, and sometimes the brands will say they want five to seven frames or three. And I recently told my team, there is no brand that's getting more than three to five frames because when you get to seven frames, I'm done. Like, I don't know. Oh, I say four is my max. That's, I think between three to five, it's the sweet spot. Like sometimes there's a lot to say. And if it's a recipe series, like sometimes I need the fifth frame to like actually like do the process, but it's so much. And I think that like, that's something I hope that brands lighten up about a little bit soon is that the amount of micromanaging that is behind. And I think that also annoys when people are watching someone's stories because they're seeing how cookie cutter it is from person to person to person. Yeah. I'm not doing that anymore. I can't. I know. I don't know. It makes me like resent the resent the product. And then I, I like I said, I get nervous. Yeah. Um, once I sent something to a brand and they wanted us to take a bite of the food when it was done. And Ezra took a bite of the food and it wasn't me. And I like didn't realize it, like it had to be me. So I sent it to them. They're like, no, you have to redo it. It wasn't you. Oh my gosh. You have to redo the whole series because Ezra took the bite and I didn't. Like you have to like remake the thing. And then they they know it's not as easy as just like me. Like I, I sent it to you three days ago and you're getting back to me seven. See, in that situation, I would have just been like, no. Well, that's why I said I was like, I'm not posting it. Yeah. And like I don't care if they don't want to work with me again because of this, because that's almost so ridiculous to even ask. Exactly. And that's where so, anyways, I don't want to like get into like my cynicism sometimes how like yeah cynical sometimes but it's not always hard stars and rainbows it's like the point yeah. that we want to make it's not you don't just have the creative autonomy um I did want to talk about investing with brands should we save it for another podcast episode or should we do it should we do like a part, one, part two maybe we do part one part how long has this one been so far over an hour it's been over an hour so I think we have to do part we do part one part two that's what I'm thinking Nicole we can I mean we should just have a podcast together because this was I know fabulous remember i know time flies i know you were gonna start one of your own i i still think about it all the time i used to be a tv host so similar with like i know right talk about past lives like i was like a host on cbs's this is la like what um someone told me that they saw a clip of recently i was like i forgot i did that but yeah so i used to do tv hosting and i loved it because i love hosting i love talking to people i could talk forever clearly but um the beauty of a podcast, you don't have to like get dressed up the way with TV. Like I was doing my own glam and I was just like, it just also, you make nickels, you know, for how much time it is. You make so much. Oh, I mean, to start out at what I was doing. No, you're like grateful to have enough money to like go get your hair done. Um, yeah, no, you make nothing. So for me, I, I love the idea of a podcast and I still think about it all the time and I have a few ideas and it's similar to what I was saying earlier. Like you always have a million ideas and you keep pushing them all along and then one hits and that's what you go with. So yeah. if it, if an opportunity presents itself for that to be the hit, then I go with it. 
But until then, I just keep, you know, pushing everything along. But it's going to be tied into my investing life. So it will be a cool conversation for part two. Hmm. I'm excited. We'll have the strategy time. Uh, well, we'll be back soon. Like, this was amazing. Everyone follow Nicole over at No Bread. And now you guys will know the full. I just learned the phrase, the tea. Now everyone will know the full tea about <laughs> Oh, yeah. Do you see my Instagram story yesterday with like my, I think you commented it, like my little side eye. And everyone was responding back, oh. the tea, the tea. And I was like, okay, that's the new lingo of Gen Z. Oh, thank you. For, okay, so I'm not the only moron that did not know what that was. Okay. Oh, that's yeah, it. no, everyone. I was like, the tea, the matcha? No, what? <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will be back soon. Thank you for having me.